Hello, Lauren Hill here, career coach for creatives. Today, we're going to talk about my introvert's guide to socializing for all of you creatives who want to network but don't know how. I was the queen of isolating. My favorite place to be as a child was in my room drawing or crafting. I love a good, safe, comfy, quiet space. But over the years, I learned that too much alone time wasn't great for my mental health, love life, or career. I used to really struggle with all the uncomfortable thoughts and feelings that I had when I was around other people, especially in group situations. I would freeze, sweat, shake, and have terrible social anxiety. Then I turned to drugs and alcohol, thinking that would help soothe my awkward, introverted soul. But that just made things worse. I ended up getting sober almost nine years ago, which oddly enough forced me to learn social skills. I learned how to share more about what was going on in my life in front of groups. I learned how to reach out for help when I was struggling. I learned how to be of service and be a good listener. And I also learned how to be with those uncomfortable thoughts and feelings a bit more. Another place I've learned social and networking skills is through my career. When I worked as an art consultant at a gallery in the Napa Valley, I had a boss that made me get up and talk to every person that walked in the door. Not just a simple hello, how are you, either. She wanted me to interrogate them, or so I thought. She called it qualifying. Qualifying is asking a series of questions to find out if the person is interested in purchasing art or a qualified buyer. Thinking back to the first few days I tried my boss's qualifying suggestions, I still cringe. She even had me roleplay with her when the gallery was empty. At one point, I was so overwhelmed by it all and my lack of finesse that I just broke down in tears and ran to the bathroom. But I kept trying and experimenting and gaining a bit of confidence in myself over time. And by the time I left the gallery years later, I was the top salesperson with over $4 million of fine art sales. So the moral of the story is, if I can do it, so can you. I know how hard it can be to force yourself to be social and network, but I swear to you, this is the number one skill to learn if you want to be successful in your career and, well, life. Just in case you need some help, I've got you covered. Here is my introvert's guide to socializing. The goal is to build rapport quickly so that there doesn't feel like there's an invisible wall between you and the other person. After saying hello to a new person or a person that you don't know very well, allow yourself to get curious about them and begin to ask them questions. People love talking about themselves, and this is a great way to give them the stage, especially if you feel nervous to talk about yourself. Some of my go-to questions are, do you live around here? What part of town do you live in? Where are you located? And just make sure to share parts of yourself with them as you ask questions so that it doesn't come off as an interrogation. I learned the hard way. So I would say something like, oh cool, you live mid-city, I'm near Santa Monica. Then you can start asking questions again like, did you grow up there? How long have you lived there? Where did you move from? And then once again, inject some facts about you into the conversation like, nice, I grew up in Napa and moved to LA seven years ago. What made you decide to move there? I moved to LA for the art scene, blah, blah, blah. By then, you should have found something to connect on, and if not, keep digging to see what their interests are. Like, what do you do for fun? What kind of things do you do on the weekend? Have you seen any good shows lately? Have you gone to any good restaurants lately? 
asking these questions to look for points of connection and commonality to build rapport. There are other ways to build rapport, such as body language and eye contact, but being an active listener and asking insightful questions will go a long way. If you'd like to learn more about building your social skills and growing your network, this is exactly the type of work I do in my one-on-one coaching. If you'd like to learn more about building your social skills and growing your network, this is exactly the type of work I do with my one-on-one clients. Wouldn't you love to have an ever-growing community of like-minded creatives that you can share and ask for feedback with? What if your network inspired and celebrated you? How amazing would it be to find other talented, successful creatives to align and socialize with? I'm here to tell you it's completely possible and easier than you think. If this sounds like something you're interested in, then send me an email. Let's hop on a career clarity call and figure out what's needed to make it happen. Based on the information we discuss, we'll chat about next steps and whether or not one-on-one coaching would be helpful for you. So go ahead and send me an email at lauren at curatedsplash.com to sign up for a consultation. That's L-A-U-R-Y-N at C-U-R-A-T-E-D-S-P-L-A-S-H dot com. Talk soon. The tide has started to shift a little bit where traditionally our buyers have worked in finance and there's something inherently creative about building technology. So I think a lot of people in tech are starting to kind of come around and see art as something they're into, especially with NFTs. That's sort of been a good bridge into helping people get more interested. This is Art Is, a podcast for artists, where we brainstorm the future of the art world and the creative industries. So my name is Michael Fashionello. I am the founder and CEO of Altamira. So I was wondering, Michael, if you could just bring us into your professional life a little bit. How did you get interested in art and start working in the art world? So as a kid, my grandparents were really into art. They were big art collectors. They lived in Aspen, Colorado, and I would spend summers with them. And so started getting into it there. And my aunt, who actually lived in Basalt, which is very close to Aspen, Colorado, owned a gallery there. And so also spent a lot of time in the gallery. And I just became really, really interested in both the art and then how my aunt was selling it and kind of how you build value, how you build a narrative, that whole thing. So I think at the age of nine or 10, my grandparents got me my first piece of art for my birthday. And uh, the note was uh, the first piece for your collection. And so Ever since, I've just really been into art. And I don't think I was an active collector starting immediately after that, but have just sort of continued on that path. And then actually in high school, uh, as a senior, I won the art show just by accident within a specific category for our county that I went to high school in. And that was just because I was really into woodworking and built something that my teacher entered into the county art show. So I won the the woodworking category, which I didn't realize was a uh, thing. But anyway, that was really fun. And so I guess flipping over to the professional world, there was a little bit of a gap as I went to college and, and things like that with art. But after I graduated college, I sort of flipped a coin between moving to New York and Chicago from Colorado and ended up in Chicago where I didn't really know anybody, so kind of floundered and worked some random weird odd jobs and ultimately went to a tech boot camp where 
through there, I met a random guy who was charged by J.B. Pritzker, who's the now governor of Illinois, with creating the Chicago Venture Summit and grabbing a coffee with him. He had just met with J.B. He's like, I've just been given this task. Would you care to help? And I'm like, absolutely. Went home, created a master list of the top 500 VCs in the US and sent it to him the next morning. And then from then on, I was in every meeting to create the Chicago Venture Summit, which is still ongoing. It's the largest venture summit in Illinois, and that's administered by World Business Chicago, which is a public-private partnership with the state, the city, and a nonprofit that's led by the business leaders of Chicago. And this is a roundabout way to getting how I got really into tech. Through that, I found a design firm to build the website for us and effectively convince them to build it for free. And at the same time, I was running a startup to deliver laundry effectively. It was Uber for, for laundry. You hit a button, we'd show up, take your laundry, get it dry cleaned or washed. That business just has terrible unit economics. So when that went away, basically begged the guys at Click Studios to give me a job where I started out as a UX designer and strategist and then transitioned after a few years to building the business there meaning I started launching and managing new offices. I launched and managed our Denver office, launched and managed our Austin office, and grew those out. And with that, the Click Studios in Chicago was headquartered in the Fine Arts Building. And so I would be going into work every day, just surrounded by art studios. We were the big corporation in the building. And so pretty early on there, I started thinking about how could you make the art world better? And so ultimately, when COVID came around, had been sitting on this concept for a long time and just never thinking anybody was doing it right and had more time to work on it since I wasn't on a plane all the time. And that was sort of where Altamira started to come from. But yeah, Altamira is a communal marketplace for art, artists, their critics and fans. And really, Altamira is a community that facilitates community uh, around art to provide education, social proof, emotional connection, and seamless transaction. It aims to democratize the art world. Our mission is really just to open up the art world to anyone that wants to participate, whether that's an artist, whether that's a collector, a critic, what have you. Along the way, we've really focused on creating the best way for artists to sell their work, build their brand, and engage with their fans while empowering art enthusiasts and collectors to find great art. And like I said, so had this notion of a different way to engage with and sell art while I was working in the fine arts building. Also at Click Studios, I worked on a project for the Denver Public Art Program, where we helped the citizens and visitors of Denver discover the 40 million plus collection around the city of Denver. So they spent $40 million on creating this wonderful public art collection and you'd see it, but you didn't really know anything about it. So now they have a web app that allows for the easy discovery of that. And so, like I said, when we, we got into COVID, had more time, and this was just something that I really got passionate about and started thinking more and more about. And I realized that the problem was none of the platforms that were online we're doing anything different than a physical gallery. We're doing anything different than the likes of Amazon. And art is this really complex transaction where 
you can't just go onto a website like you would Amazon or like you would to buy a pair of pants and say, I know I want a pair of blue jeans. I know my size is 33 and click it and feel confident in making that purchase. And that's kind of how all these platforms treat it right now. They treat it just like it's any other e-commerce transaction and they don't do anything for the individual artists who are creating and helping them create social proof or build their audience or help them build a narrative around their art. And so that's really what we tried to do and what we've been doing since we launched back in September of 2021. Also, something that's really particular that is a focus of Altamira is the role of critique. And I think that's really interesting because I haven't really seen that before on a online marketplace. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on why that was so important for you and for Altamira. Yeah, I think it really comes down to two things. One, artists, one of the best ways for them to build their reputation, for them to get themselves out into the world is getting written up in a newspaper. But that's really inaccessible for a lot of artists who are just starting out. And we think that you shouldn't have to go out and hire a PR agency or get placed into a top gallery to have your work written about. And so that was one piece of it. We also think it's kind of interesting when you do read critical assessments of an artist in a newspaper, there's very little about the work itself. And generally, it's about the broader body of work instead of specific pieces. And so we have it set up to where the critiques are around specific pieces of art, probably more similar to what you're used to in your MFA program. And and artists seem to really appreciate that when they do get their work critiqued, it gives them an asset or an artifact that they can use elsewhere that they can refer back to. But then on the flip side of things, so that's the artist side. On the buyer side, there's this huge number of people at least in the US, I'm sure it's worldwide, but the research that we've seen is US-based that want to buy art, but just don't feel confident enough in doing that. And so this research was focused on people who make $100,000 or more a year and what their sentiment is around art. And don't have the numbers in front of me, but it was something like 48% of people want to purchase art, 35 think that art is a good long-term investment. Only 2% of those people had actually purchased art. So there's this wide gap. And the research there stated the reason for this gap was people just didn't have the knowledge or confidence to actually make a purchase. And anecdotally, I was on a trip with a friend who we were in a hotel. There was a gallery in the bottom of the hotel, spent a lot of time in the gallery, loved the work, but he did not pull the trigger on making a purchase because he just like, well, what if it isn't good work? He was relying on his own taste. He talked to the gallerist. He felt like he was being sold to, so he wasn't sure, like, should I actually buy this? Will I like it in a year? What will other people think? Like, if somebody knows about art, are they going to think I'm an idiot? And so we're really trying to address that by giving people, one, social proof, but two, just an analysis of what that piece is from a neutral party and not from a salesperson. And sort of that can serve as a signal, too, if the work is being written about, okay, somebody at least cares about this piece enough to write about it. So that's kind of the role of critique. We also just think it's a more interesting way to build community and allow for critics to gain recognition, for them to have another avenue and venue to be seen and to have their thoughts get out into the world, where it's a concerted community of people who care about art, as opposed to potentially if they're just 
writing it on Medium or some other place, it has a better chance of being seen by the audience that they would want it to be seen by. So yeah, that's a really long answer on the the critiques, but hopefully it gives you a little bit of a sense for how we think about them. And how does Altamira actually work? Is it like a gallery model? Does it take a percentage of sales or how does it work? So it's totally free for anyone to sign up. The way that we make money is is by, yes, taking a commission on the work sold. And that commission is 10%. It's something where when you don't have to pay for expensive real estate, like a gallery does, you don't have to take a full 50%. And I think galleries aren't necessarily trying to hurt artists or take a massive uh, chunk from them. But realistically, they have to real estate in places where art sells is really, really expensive. And you're seeing more galleries close every year than what open. Anyway, that's that's a long way of saying we're able to charge much less. And really, there are other platforms that are charging 30% or, or what have you. But that's them just looking at what are galleries taking? Okay, what's a reasonable markdown from that where we can still just take as much as possible from the artist? We think it's a better long-term strategy and, and what we care about and what our mission drives toward to opening the art world up to take as little as we can to benefit the artists as much as we can and know that over the long run, that'll end up paying us back just from a business perspective. And I know that you launched Altamira now eight months ago. So I would love for you to take us into that journey so far. And if you could share any stories or particular milestones that you're really proud of. I heard that you ranked number one on Product Hunt, which is just so exciting. So perhaps you could tell us a little bit about that experience. So yeah, myself and John Guile, my co-founder, we started working on this almost a year to the day. Well, July 1st is about when I quit my job on July 1st and put full focus on this. Obviously, we were thinking about it prior to that. And then, like you said, we were able to launch in September. And that first month, I think we added like maybe 20 users or something. It was not all that exciting for anyone that was on there, but it was exciting for us and had some really amazing artists right out of the gate who were, were on there, which was, was also exciting. In November, like you mentioned, we posted ourselves on Product Hunt which Product Hunt, for those who don't know, we actually have drawn a lot of inspiration from them. But it's effectively a place where product creators, digital product creators, that is, can go and post their work and get feedback from the community on it. It's largely driven by upvotes. The product that gets the most upvotes in a day is the top product of that day. And it sort of comes with a large cachet as far as credibility goes, reputation. And it just means that a lot of people are interested in what you're building. There is a comment section where people will ask questions, things like that. And I think for us, like I said, we've drawn a lot of inspiration from them because we think that's a more inclusive way to build products and sort of get feedback to get attention. And for technologists or people building those products, they really see a pretty massive bump or benefit when their product is voted number one for the day like we were. And we did. We saw a lot of folks who did sign up for Altamira, a ton of traffic, and it's just been a really valuable signal to the market for a fundraising perspective, things like that. But you know, I'm, I'm really not sure why we did so well. We certainly engaged our audience and, and sort of engaged the people who were excited on Product Hunt. They would comment. But I just think people we're really excited to see something a little different. A lot of the software on there is just like 
different versions of Zoom or productivity, things like that. So I think they're excited to see something different. And I also think the tide has started to shift a little bit where traditionally art buyers have worked in finance and there's something inherently creative about building technology. So I think a lot of people in tech are starting to kind of come around and see art as something they're into, especially with NFTs. That's sort of been a good bridge into to helping people get more interested. So I think that's how that went. And and that was certainly a, a cool milestone. Otherwise, you know, we've achieved a lot. We did launch in September of last year. So about eight months ago, we've grown to thousands of engaged users. We have raised some money. And I think for me, just I don't know if there's any specific milestones that are fun to talk about, but I'm really proud of just positively contributing to artists' lives through both sales and critiques and that sort of engagement. I will say recently we did an art drop with an artist named Jason Siegel, and that was the project. He's actually a photographer by trade, but has also a sculpturist. And all the sculptures that he creates are what look like guns, but made from old camera parts. And the project is called Shoot Portraits, Not People. So that drop was focused and done as a fundraiser for the victims of Alde. And so with that, we put it together. It was something where he was selling prints of the sculptures along with a corresponding NFT that went with it. And so we facilitated that. We sold out of all 25 prints in just over 24 hours along with the NFTs that went with them. And that was really exciting and meaningful in that we could contribute to hopefully just making that tragedy a little better by raising awareness and and whatever small amount of money that we raised through that. I want to give all the credit there to Jason. He approached us, he'd already been on Altamira and just asked if we might be able to help him with that. We had to sort of bolt on some hacky functionality to allow for the sale of NFTs and sort of do it as a drop. But that's one of the nice things of being a a smaller team. You can respond really quickly to people who bring you things that get you excited. That was really fun. The URL for Altamira is altamira.art. That is A-L-T-A-M-I-R-A dot A-R-T. And everything is there. Uh, You can find our link to Instagram, Twitter, all the socials by going there. And probably if you search on any of the social medias, you'll find us as well. And on there, if you go to our about page, I've got a link to my calendar. So if anybody actually wants to talk to me, I reserve time each week to talk to any artists, any collectors, what have you, whether that's getting your feedback on something we should be doing, answering questions on things that you're unsure of or anything else. Just want to make myself available. And and that's another good way to, to get in touch with me personally. Thank you for listening to Art Is, a podcast for artists. Please leave Art Is, a podcast for artists, a rating and review in Apple Podcasts. It really helps others find us. Also, I would love it if you took a moment to reflect on who in your life might also benefit from listening to this podcast. When you do, please share Art Is, a podcast for artists with them so we can continue to grow the show organically and brainstorm the future of the art world together. You can also support the work I do by subscribing wherever you listen and by donating to the podcast. The link to do so is in the episode description. Okay, that's it for now. Thanks so much and see you next Wednesday.